It's time! Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio! Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world! The Big Play! And welcome to the Big Play Reflog Show. I'm Gabriella Cruz, and it's just Nick Padone and I today in studio, along with our producer, Michael Bohm. Thank you very much for all that you do for us, especially as we've been dealing with some funniness with our cameras. <laughs> Actually, this, well, I was going to say this whole week, but oh. starting last week, because we just started this week. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Gab, me and you just holding it down today. Going to be kind of weird, I feel like. I know. No McNeil. <laughs> they no ditched us. Day. They ditched us. They're they playing ditched us a little golf. golf. <laughs> Firestone. Is, is, is Firestone that cool is what I really want to know. I, my gut says no. Did you see Dave roasted us on Twitter? That Well, you. Yeah, specifically. yeah. Dave, yeah. Dave said step one, learn how to golf. And truthfully, that could apply to me as well. Because <laughs> I, it's no uh, great kept secret that I have an amazing golf swing. I just can't make contact <laughs> with the golf ball. We'll get there uh, this summer. Yeah, so we've got, you know, maybe a shorter show in store for us today. Boom, stop it. <laughs> we will do our featured interview brought to you by Labatt, but we'll also do a little bit of our fill-in-the-blank, our newer game that's kind of fun. And we'll break down some of the top Cleveland sports headlines and the odds, of course, as always, is presented by Tipico. So we'll get our show started here and bring in our guest. All right, our Labatt featured interview today is with Matt Tift. He's a NASCAR team owner and a big Cleveland sports fan. So thanks for coming back, Matt. How you doing? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm surprised you uh, had me back here. It's a little bit been a little bit of time, and normally I ruin people's shows. So I'm sorry about that. Oh no, we're happy for you. Yeah, we are <laughs> always glad to have you on, man. So how, how have you been? What what what's been going on? I know we were joking a little bit before the show that think everybody would be doing a little bit better if the guardians could wake up this offense so how's it going man yeah that's that's for sure we need to uh get that going i think gabby uh, can go work the ballpark get some magic going maybe uh, see what's out in the um home run porch maybe see if you can talk them into some magic fairy dust out there but no it's uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff going on down here in um, charlotte north carolina we got uh, live fast motorsports um the nascar team that i co-own with uh, my partner bj mcleod so we're uh in the, the thick of the NASCAR season, we're actually um, on a home stretch right now, which is nice for us. We had the um, Coca-Cola 600 uh, this weekend here in Charlotte. Last weekend, we had the um, the All-Star Race um, at the North Wilkesboro Speedway. Um, really cool moment for NASCAR. We um, brought back a track that's been dead for 27 years wow. and um, brought that back to life. Um, so big, you know, uh, Field of Dreams, Wrigley uh, moment for us. And um Got that back going and um, ready for this weekend. It's the uh, the biggest, best weekend in motorsports. You got Monaco, NF1, the Indy 500, the Coca-Cola 600. It's my favorite day of the year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a jam-packed weekend of racing. Obviously, Matt, we want to talk about you. You went from racer to team owner at a really, really, really young age. What is something about being an owner that fans that, you know, kind of like us, I feel like kind of in Cleveland, there's a lot of just casual NASCAR fans. What's something that we just don't know about? Oh, man. I mean, when you're a driver, it's the tip of the iceberg, right? You see everything as a driver. And really, a lot of people don't know what um, drivers do. I mean, everyone thinks of NASCAR as driving in circles. And um, unfortunately, 
right now, the best parallel really is the F1 Drive to Survive series. And, you know, for NASCAR side, we have a lot of things that parallel that from the team communication, the driver's side, the training, um, everything you go through that parallels that very much so. But um, when you go to the, the owner's side, man, you see everything below the, <laughs> the water there. So um, between NASCAR, um, the team owners, uh, present things you do, marketing communications, um, you know, competition, what you do with your equipment. Um, and of course, you know, personnel decisions you make. And um, we're a very small team, uh, probably the smallest team in the Cup Series. So um, being a, you know, from a, a small market um, and small team, um, you know, mindset, you have to make a lot of decisions of, okay, should we do this or not based on if it truly impacts the team in a, in a good way. And um, I think those are hard but um, important decisions you make every single weekend. Um, in the mindset that you try to keep the team's growth going and going, um, you have another team owner there in uh, Cleveland, Matt Colleague. So there's two um, two Cleveland NASCAR teams there. But, um, you know, it's been pretty cool this year. We switched over to Chevy. Um, so been a big jump up for this year, this year in performance. But I was trying to get better. Yeah, yeah. owners have so many responsibilities. Uh, what a checklist you have. Cleveland fans, they love to complain about the owners, you know, when teams, anything goes wrong. <laughs> Uh, do you feel like in your sport, is that similar or do the drivers get the brunt of, of all that flack if things don't go as well? Yeah, I feel like um, the the ownership groups are a bit different because you have one person, but there's so many people who make the car go. Um, so the driver, I'd say, is a bit more parallel to the backs. So you can have the most high-powered offense and the best defense. And so in NASCAR, that'd be the best car um, the best strategy, but you get to a late race restart and that driver um, doesn't attack or he doesn't try and go defend or block another guy or he um, whiffs on something and he goes and spins and wrecks the car um, and, you know, it goes on to the driver. So at the end of the day, it's in his hands. The steering wheel is in his hands and he's holding um, the power right there um, with the motor and, and um in the car and it's his responsibility to get it done. So it does fall onto those guys, but that's actually a good point. The, um, as a driver, you feel like it does fall on you a lot. You know, it's a team sport being an owner, man, you see all the parts that put, um, they could put this thing together. Absolutely. You know, Matt, another thing that's been happening on the show is reflog who is not with us. He, uh, he's been going through the trials and tribulations of his daughter getting her driver's license. So they went through the, man the maneuverability test a couple times. She finally gets it, and she hits a fence. As a, as a race car owner, is there any sweat that goes into your mind about some of the damage that goes onto these cars and some of the wrecks that could happen, uh, obviously, just throughout a long NASCAR season? Man, these these cars they cost three hundred and sixty five thousand dollars. So every Ooh. time um, they hit each other, you see those wrecks on TV. They look exciting. They just look like I'm shoveling cash into a fireplace. <laughs> uh, it's it's awful. But I will back up though for a second. I remember I was fifteen and a half, getting my temps up in Ohio, and I think it's in Medina maybe. And I had been driving for years, driving race cars for years, um, and I don't think I had been that nervous ever um and then that day i went to go get my temps and my driver's license i'm shaking like i had a pep talk with myself i'm like dude you do this for a living and like you're like you drive a 180 mile an hour race car on the weekends and i'm in my mom's ford fusion hybrid like just <laughs> shaking the crap out of myself like what the hell am i doing um i think i hit a cone when, when the the maneuverability thing the five point thing yeah but i like nicked it i didn't knock it over but man if they hit a fence that's Oh, so you passed feel, then. That, that's that's pa embarrassing. <laughs> so you passed, though, on that test, on your first test, on your first try? So I passed the driving test. Oh, the, so you failed maneuverability. Well, the written test, the, the exam of the computer, oh, okay. um, that came down to the last question. I had missed all the questions you're allowed to miss. <laughs> it came down to the last one, which was how many people can you put into the back of a pickup truck and how fast can you go? Oh, and that's I a trick study. question. Yeah. I did not study whatsoever. I didn't know that was a question. I didn't study. Um, I think I guess like 35 and like four people. I think I got it right. No way. I have to tell you that I'm not even kidding. The written test, I remember I was out on vacation. My best friend is the same. We had the same exact day, our birthday. So she had all this time to prepare for our test. I got back from vacation. I was a little flustered. Like, I feel like I didn't study enough. 
And it came down to the last question for me. And it's so funny because I remember my last question, too. I had missed all the ones I was allowed to miss. And it was do or die on the last one. And it it was kind of like competitive, too, because I'm there with my friend. and I'm like, she can't pass. And then I not pass, like, because then I'll be way behind. And it was something about what do you what's the thing in the middle called the median The median. Yeah. And we got it. <laughs> Damn, you guys are you guys are just better drivers than me because I totally failed it. I, the, the written I part? Bo- no, no, they got rid of the written part. <laughs> oh, I, they did. Okay. I bodied a cone in maneuverability, like not just tapped it, like full wheel over cone, like wasn't even close. And they failed you then? The, the, the guy literally looked at me and he said, "Pull through." <laughs> and then, yeah, <laughs> and that was it, like sight on scene. <laughs> he was just like, "Yeah, you're done." Yeah, you're done. <laughs> So that is I heard my dad being so disappointed when I got done with that written test because I told him, he's like, oh, you passed? Like, yeah. And I told him, like, it went down the last question. He's like, are you sure you, you should be should be driving? Like, you're good to go? <laughs> and he's like, he was really, really concerned about that. Like, he, he made me go read, like, he gave me a book of the rules, and I didn't read it at all. So. <laughs> So, Matt, we do a lot of betting segments on the show with Tipico, who's our sponsor. Obviously, I know you can't get too in the weeds in that world, but just give us an overview of some of the young drivers that we should kind of be keeping an eye on the rest of this NASCAR season and really into this weekend. Yeah, it's, um, you know, from really in the NASCAR deal right now, Kyle Larson has set the world on storm. He is just taking over. Um, But you see guys like Bubba Wallace really finding his footing now. I mean, he's been... A guy up and down um, quite a bit over the last few years, but it seems to me that um, over 23-11 racing, um, they're finally starting to find their stride. Um, but William Byron, another Hendrick Motorsports driver in the 24 car, um, obviously a historic number, taking over Jeff Gordon's car. Um, they are, him and Crucif Rudy Fugel, they're hitting on all the cylinders. Um, so a lot of guys really up and coming through. Um, we've had some older guys come back down. We've had Ryan Newman come in um, and, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick his last year in the series. So, as these young guys are coming up, you're starting to see them winning and taking over the sport. So there's always that that changing of the guard, right? It's kind of weird to see. It's bittersweet because um, you don't want the older guys that have been there for that you grew up with to, to leave. But um, I think we see it in baseball, um, football, anything. It happens. It's weird. But you got to find those guys in tier four. So um, there's some fun ones to watch. Uh, Ross Chastain, if you have any parallel in this generation to Dale Earnhardt, the dude is ruthless. Wow. He is hitting people, knocking people out of the way. He's not. He hasn't won too much yet, but you see it now. When he comes around people, they're moving out of his way. He is wrecking people. I mean, if you want a video game-style driver of mm-hmm. someone right now, it is Ross Chastain. It is insane the things he's doing. Um, I truly believe he is NASCAR's next superstar. It is ridiculous, um, but he is he's a menace. Cool. We'll have to keep an eye out for him. All right, Matt, last one before we get you out of here. So I'm throwing out the first pitch at a captain's game on June 4th. I know you've thrown out a first pitch at an Indians game. Do you have any advice for me? I feel like we've been asking every guest leading up to this pitch. What what, what advice do you have for me? Because I'm nervous. I played basketball. My Baseball was the one sport I was afraid of getting hit um, by the ball. I, I played every other sport. I at least tried it. Do you have any advice before I go throw out this first pitch? Oh, man. I practiced so much for it. I was so nervous because um, I had the Cleveland Indians car. Like, it was a big deal. I remember. Deal I remember. I had, I had, yeah, I had Joe Boo. I still have Joe Boo in my garage um, from Major League. Like, I rubbed his head and everything before every race. Um, <laughs> so, I think if you can get a, a little Joe Boo doll, rub his head, you know, make sure you give Joe Boo his rum. Um, it's probably a good start. And, uh, man, I, I, honestly, I... I threw it high as um, to make sure I had some, you know, some good. Was that velocity? I'm not yeah. really sure the terms are bad with this, but just make sure I had some height to get there. I did not want to go through it hard for some speed and just ground out and look like an idiot. So Smart. mine was very Smart. slow, but it made it there. That's what we've been trying to tell Nick. I'm like, don't throw it as hard as you can because everyone who does that looks like a dingus. Just doesn't You're go right. where you don't think be- it's gonna go. Yeah, Nick, don't be a dingus. <laughs> I know. And everyone tells me the, that. And the other thing that people have been telling me is it's a lot further away than what you think it is. Like when they tell you to oh, go okay. out there and like stand at the mm-hmm. end, like yeah. it's a lot further when you're staring at the catcher than what it looks like on TV. It, it really is. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know why they don't prep you for that beforehand. I guess they can't really. But like if you go to a park and practice, like it's not it doesn't feel that far away. But you get there, and you look up, <laughs> you see all the people there. Like it doesn't matter what sport you played in. Like I've been at the Daytona 500 and that was still 
terrifying. I was more nervous throwing out that first pitch than any other event. Oh, man. All right. Funny. Well, wish me luck, Matt. Thank you, as <laughs> always, for hopping on, man. Yeah, it's... thanks for coming. Thanks, guys. Well, there you go, Nick. Uh, so he said he was really nervous. If that's any inclination, See? yeah, how, how it'll be for you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be that nervous. I my biggest thing, and and what he's told me, what you've told me. I know Greg Newsom said otherwise. I'm just going to loft it in there. I think that's my game plan. It's June 4th. I'm throwing out the first pitch at the captain's game. Uh, it's a Sunday, one o'clock. Everybody come out. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I'm not nervous, which is weird for me because I feel like I should be having never played baseball before, right? Uh, okay, Abby, but you've thrown catch before. Uh, exactly, yeah. Like, I know how to play, like, yeah. Yeah, because that's what I did the week of my first pitch over at the Crushers. What I yeah. did was I just had someone, I think it was one of our ball boys or some, one of our clubhouse people, um, just, like, played catcher. Yeah. And, and I just threw a couple just to see – how it would go. And yours was good. Mine you, was pretty solid. You totally solid. made it over the plate. There was no bounce. Yeah, it was it was right in there. So I, I I lucked out too, probably because I didn't overthink it. So it's probably good not to over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It. I really kinda... haven't thought about it much at all. Like good. it's June 4th. I saw that Dollar Dog had it in the show notes. I knew I remembered Matt had thrown one out. So that's the best way to go. Are you gonna do a wind up? That's all. I haven't decided yet. We'll see. <laughs> oh, I did a little bit. I did the little like shaking stuff off and like did a little. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't know. You I have feel fun like, with it. Because I feel like I'm not nervous now, but when I get out there and the ball's in my hand and I'm <laughs> looking like, at the catcher, I'm going to be like, I got to just fling this. Damn thing. <laughs> uh, I think it would be harder to do it at a major league ballpark. Also, well. uh, right, yes. And also nervous because, like, more, more, even more so than that, I know Dave and Chris are going to be there. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so that's, yeah. re that's really what I'm nervous about is, like, well, it'll be show content till the end of time. If For I, sure. No, I can empathize there because when you and Dave came to mind, that was my biggest worry. I was like, this is going to either be the biggest blooper. So I was actually like nervous when I was on there with you. One, because like I was just watching you and it was making me nervous. Two, if you remember, my shirt that day was so wrinkled and I was on the field with you recording and Dave texted me from our suite and he was like, your shirt's wrinkled. And I was self-conscious the entire drive to Avon because I'm wearing this wrinkly ass shirt. And here's Dave texting me about my shirt. From the I, suite. I found that it was an inside job. Him and Cam were talking mess about me because I'm, oh, she knew funny. that I was all concerned about my shirt. He so. got inside your head? Wow, he knows how to do that. And I, and I, I was and just videoing doing, you. Yeah, I you... wasn't doing anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> just waiting for what he so has exactly, to say exactly. on your first I'm going to make sure my shirt is pristine. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's going to be like, you got your, your hair's all sticking out. <laughs> we're at, he's going to be like, your, your pants are, what are you waiting for, a flood? Um, we have our second interview coming on in like five minutes. He just texted me, but in the meantime, we could do a little fill in the blank. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a fun little game we were doing now. The guardian that needs to step it up the most right now is. <sighs> I'm going to say everybody outside of Jose Ramirez. Is that a fair answer? That's probably like, the, the most accurate answer. And I feel like they will Gab. It is so early in the season. And I know we Ooh. always say that. But they're four and a half games back. It's not Memorial Day yet. Yeah. I get that it feels like the sky is falling, and it is. And it it has. I'm not sitting here like just cheerleading for the Guardians. Like this has been like this has been a fun year. What are you guys all mad about? Like no, you people have valid valid reasons to be upset with this team. But let's remember, it's a similar start to what they had last year. It's only four and a half games. Like if they were in a different division, maybe it's fine to get upset. But they're four and a half games back. Like, I am not losing sleep. You get the Twins and the White Sox in here, and you beat up on them, and then you're right back up in the heat of it. So yeah. I'm going to say everybody just needs to step up outside of Jose. He needs to just keep carrying his weight, and they're going to be fine. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Um, I know, because so many people need to step up, so I feel like that is the most satisfactory answer. Yeah. The, the, playing the Mets, oh, that was just so brutal. Hated we, it. We need a rebound This This weekend – I'll say, how about this, Gab? This weekend, let's let this be rock bottom. You're, I hope. Yeah, I agree with you. you were playing this Frankie, is the rock bottom. You were playing Frankie Lindor, which is annoying. You had Donovan Mitchell on Twitter tweeting, uh, cheering for the Mets. Oh, yeah, we had the perfect storm. I get it. I get that it's his hometown team, but then it was annoying because you have all the fans saying that, oh, he's not going to be in Cleveland. Like, it was just, it yep. was. It was the perfect storm. It was rock bottom. Onward and upward. Yeah, that's what was so frustrating about it was besides the fact that we need wins, period, it was all of that like little swirl of drama yeah. and uh, around it. Unneeded. And and that we couldn't deliver. 
Rock oh, bottom, rock. Which, which means there's only up from here. Fine, rock bottom. How about blank should be the Guardian's everyday catcher? This is a, a, another one that's very difficult to answer. I know. Because it's like, well. All of them. I, in, our I pre, it, in our pre-show meeting, I made the joke that the Guardian's everyday catcher currently doesn't exist because the guys that they currently have just haven't been doing that well. Do you have an idea of what you want to see? <laughs> Out of our options, it's tough because you don't want to. You don't want to be like, oh, so people are just trash. They're not, no. it, you know. But I think Mike Zunino really stepped it up. He's had like four hits in the last, I don't know, five six games. He He's stepped it up a little bit. So, um, yeah, you know, and I haven't seen enough bow like at major league level no. to make a decision there. No, so. I'll feed into. I'll feed into the Twitter hype. Give me bow Naylor. Right, I'm ready. Sure, young kid. I think honestly, like feeding into that, especially now. Um, you know, that home progressive field crowd a little bit, I think could be good for a younger player. It obviously helps his brother a ton. So I yeah. think, you know, having Bo as the everyday catcher, I get that that'll happen eventually, but screw it. Let's have some fun. Bo Naylor right now. Yeah. Why not go for it? I see. I see the thinking there. Okay. Um, after watching these NBA playoffs, the Cavs are blank away from being championship contenders. They are a LeBron James away, Gab. Oh, really? Put, yeah. <laughs> put LeBron on this roster, and there you have it. You are the 2024 NBA champions. I really think that... So you don't think we need a new coach? We're not a new coach away? No. Just stick with I, what we got going. I would stick with JB. Yeah, I would stick with JB. Stick with the young core. I know when mm -hmm. I came back from New York, and obviously I was mad and left there with a bad taste in my mouth, I was really down on Jared Allen I still am I'm still very down on Jared Allen but I think the issue with Jared Allen now is after that poo poo performance that he put up and the fact that he makes a hundred million dollars you're not going to get anything for him Gab so I really think you need to just tough it out with this young core that's the that's the best part about it similar to your guardians they're young so that, that what happened sucked yeah. nobody's saying that it didn't suck but it was a learning experience you obviously need pieces this offseason you could add some shooters you could add a small forward and if this nba playoffs have showed us anything it's that the nba right now is wide open so if the Cavs wanted to get any help that they could whether it is a lebron i get that that's not likely but jalen brown you know other superstars are going to be on the move here's your offseason to do it because the nba is wide open it's not like you know it used to be where it was Cavs warriors every single year it is wide open so keep coach keep the young core add the superstar yep all right how about Browns OTAs? They're starting tomorrow. My excitement level for the Browns right now is heating up. Yeah. I, I think after the <laughs> after the way the Cavs and I've said all offseason, I'm not going to get hooked with the Browns. They're not going to do a signing or a draft pick. I'm not getting hooked. I said it all offseason long, but watching the guards kind of just peter around every single night and watching the Cavs get eliminated in the first round, which I didn't think was going to happen. I'm excited for the Browns and I'm excited for the Browns offense. I think I've notoriously been skeptical about Deshaun and Kevin Stefanski and their pairing together. But I think this offense right now, like there's no excuses. If it's not good, like there was just no excuse for it to not be good. They have everything that they need. So my, my excitement for the Browns is totally building. I, I'm very optimistic heading into the I, year. I agree, too, because I think, like, if you look at last season, Jacoby's style of play and Deshaun's is very different. So, you know, Deshaun having to, like, Stefanski and them trying to make plays and make offenses for Deshaun versus Jacoby is just so wildly In like different. So now, I, so I, now I think they're going to get into their – rhythm and routine and we're going to see some cool stuff this year also i think another piece in all of this that's been kind of underplayed a little bit is the fact that the browns have four po uh, preseason games everyone else only has three and the brown so that means the browns get to start sooner i mean we they get to start now like you still have all summer running. and everything so yeah you have that time to implement those plays for stefanski and deshaun to get on the same page even more so to my point that you have no excuses if this thing comes out and clunks out there week one. All right, perfect. So we're all jacked up. That that concludes uh, our fill in the blank segment. Let me know is our guest here. I don't think I heard the boop. Um, so let me let me text uh, Adam. This is a really cool guest, so I do want to get to him. But in the meantime, should we get into some bets? Yeah, let's do some quick big play bets of the week.
Alrighty, bet along all season with us with Typico Sportsbook. Summer is here, which means the NBA Finals are right around the corner. The NHL playoffs are in full swing. Guardian season, so much more. Right now, for the last couple days in May, your chance to get in on the Swing for the Fences contest where you make $20 baseball wagers of at least minus 200 odds to join. The more you bet, the more you score. The top 100 bettors at the end of the month of May get bets on us for a year with the grand prize of $5,000 in free bets. Must be 21 years or older to gamble in Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I've been smashing these $20 bets, and honestly, like I'm trying to chase bigger parlays so I could get up higher on the leaderboard. I've hit a few. I've totally lost way more than what I've won. Um, so yeah, it, it's a ton of fun. It's the same like March Madness kind of leaderboard thing that they did. So it totally makes watching these Guardians games very fun because you could throw in same game parlays now on Typico. So make sure you download that app. When you do use code BIGPLAY, deposit 50, you'll get $200 back. Bets on us and you could win some bets with us. So let's get right into it. Guardians and White Sox on Wednesday. Gab, I know you you can't actually bet on this, but do you think the Guardians will homer on Wednesday against the White Sox. It's Michael Kopik on the bump for Chi-Town. Uh, yes, I do. And if I had to, obviously this is hypothetical because I, I don't place any bets. But, um, yeah, I w- let's – how about – Gabriel Arias. I like it. I'm going Jose, Gab. Jose has been red hot, and I'm so happy about it because, like, we all know that he was on the bereavement list, and he lost his grandmother, who was very close to him, and he flew back um, to be with his family. So I've been so happy that Jose's been on this hot run that he's had. Mm -hmm. So let's go with Jose. All right, let's move on to our next one. Good pick. Will the White Sox get a home run off of Cal Quantrill? Never. I'm saying no. Cal is going to be locked down. Let's go quickly to Guardians and Cardinals on Saturday. Gab, let's build a same-game parlay. We've had success with this in the past. Obviously, for you, it's hypothetical. For me, I'm actually putting this in. So give me a leg that you think is going to hit for my sake. This is a nationally televised game. It's on Fox. Give me any bet. It's going to be Bieber on Saturday is the projected starter for the guards. Okay, so uh, we are building a parlay. And one could obviously always be a guardian that's going to get a hit. Yeah, yeah. So Quan. You want to go Quan hit? Quan hit. All right, so let's go. Let's go Quan hit. I think Guardians money line. The Cardinals are they're not good. The, okay. the Cardinals are the Cardinals. So let's go Quan hit. Guardians money line. And it's Shane. Let's and go with our guy. Let's yeah. go Bieber over on strikeouts. Oh, okay. I was just about to say, does do, do they give you well, we probably can't tell yet the number that yeah, they well, have for that. It's but, far out, but I'm confident yeah, it'll Beeb's probably be like over. Yeah, five and a half, six and a half. Like we've seen him dominate sure. before. So yeah, let's go. Guardians to win. Quan's getting a hit. Shane's going over on strikeouts. Awesome. Okay. All righty. And then I think we will wrap things up with basketball before we get into our next featured interview. Game four is Tuesday. Eastern Conference Finals. Gab, the Heat are up three games to nothing on the Celtics. You think the Heat are finishing this sweep of Boston? Kevin Love gets closer to another ring. What do you think? Yeah, I do. I think what so do you too. Think? The line is currently Miami minus one and a half. I would smash that all day long. I'm going to. The Heat are going to finish off the Celtics. I'm going to drink the tears of sorry Boston fans. Yeah. Give me the Heat. And you know what? Even though it's tough to see Kevin Love do the ring, blah, blah, it blah. It is, blah, blah, but blah. We, but, but Celtics and the history. Like, yeah, and Boston. Yeah. yeah. And drink the Boston tears. It'll be my, it's going to be my, <laughs> it's probably going to be Miami versus Denver. And I think it'll be easy for us to pull for Denver. Okay. Yeah. I like your train of thought. All right. And then the last one is Wednesday. Western Conference Finals is game five. Who will be the game's leading scorer for Lakers and Nuggets as LeBron James is on the verge of elimination? If this game With his goes back to against game the wall, five, maybe LeBron. LeBron? Maybe he goes off. I don't know. Am I going to do this? I'm going to go Jokic. Okay. If it goes five, I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic. And you can make all those bets on Tipico. Make sure you download that app. Without further ado, we have another featured interview. Boom. Hit that Music. 
There we go. Me. <laughs> All right. Welcome back. We have our second Labatt featured interview, and we're joined by Adam Gorlitsky. Thank you so much. You uh, participated in the Cleveland Marathon over the weekend. You've got an incredible cause. And not to mention, you are a Guinness World Record holder in the Exoskeleton Marathon Walking. Yes. Uh, no, uh, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, re- we're really excited to hear a little bit more about your story because, um, like, you have this incredible cause behind you that you're fundraising for and bringing awareness to. And not to mention, you're just crushing it yourself out here with all these goals that you've got. What is it, 50-plus road races you've been able to use your exoskeleton machinery. Maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that um, and, and what you're up to. Yeah, so, um, uh, so hey, uh, uh, everyone, my name is Adam Gorlitsky. I'm the founder of this nonprofit called I Got Legs, uh, and I'm a uh, I'm a paralyzed athlete. Um, so I should first probably talk a little bit about maybe how I became paralyzed, and then uh, kind of talk about the exoskeleton and, and 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 then everything that we're doing. So I guess my you know uh, uh, my story begins about 17 uh, and a half years ago, uh, on the on the night of December 30th, 2005. Uh, I was 19 years old, driving back home from college. Uh, fell asleep at the wheel for you know three to five seconds. Um, as a result, was in a car accident, broke my back, suffered a spinal cord injury, and uh, became paralyzed from the from the, from the belly button down. Uh, for what doctors would tell me it would be for the rest of my life. Um, now I'm I'm still paralyzed, but uh, about seven years ago, I started using this amazing piece of technology called the Rewalk Robotic Exoskeleton. Um, and this exoskeleton uh, allows me to stand up and walk. Um, so in, in high school, I used to, uh, uh, you know, I was a hardcore athlete, played basketball, ran track in, in, in cross country. Um, so uh, the second that, that I stood up in, in, in the exoskeleton seven years ago, I said, all right, this is a sport. This is like this. This could be the greatest adaptive sport of all time. Um, so I started to use my exoskeleton for, uh, to walk road races with. Um, and then I, uh, 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 and then from there, you know, I started fundraising for, for my own exoskeleton. Um, uh, and then now I have been helping other paralyzed athletes, uh, get access to this exoskeleton, but our, our, uh, so yeah, with, I got legs, uh, it's my nonprofit. Um, uh, as you're saying, Gabby, I, I've walked uh, 50 plus road races. I, I think at this point it's actually, closer to even 65 plus road races. Cool. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. And, um, uh, I'm, and then on, on the back of these road races, I've, I've created, I got legs and we're fundraising to help other paralyzed athletes walk, you know, with exoskeletons. But our point of view with, with doing that is to eventually is to turn exoskeleton racing into a Paralympic and collegiate adaptive sport. Cool. Okay. How, yeah, so, how far along yeah. in that process, or is it still too early to be able to tell, you know, at what stage that's at getting that launched? Yeah, uh, uh, that's a great question. So, uh, last October, so I guess, well, that's like eight, like about nine months ago. Um, I reached out to the Paralympic committee, um, uh, which is based in Germany. And I kind of told them everything that, that, I, you know, that, that I just told you, you know, um, and, and by the way, I I'm the Guinness world record holder, uh, you had mentioned, uh, I'm the Guinness World Record holder for exoskeleton marathon walking, um, uh, which is 33 hours in 16 minutes, um, which is the record I was trying to beat uh, this past weekend at the Cleveland Marathon. Um, I fell a little bit short of, which I can talk about here shortly. But um, yeah, so uh, last October, um, uh, I started the whole Paralympic process, uh, reached out to the Paralympic Committee, told them every, everything that, that you know, my, my vision for exoskeleton racing they said, all right, this is great. Um, this is exciting. This could be an amazing sport, but um, it's still, you know, a very early stage. So we, Adam, we, we need you and your organization to essentially create uh, your, like a research study group uh, for the sport of exoskeleton racing. And we need you to organize races and, and then, you know, through this process, you know, 50 to hundred races, we need you to, to establish what the rules, regulations, rankings, results, uh, uh, and also establish um, uh, uh, equipment standards for, for this new sport. So what I've done, I've taken this Paralympic 
goal of ours, um, and then everything that the Paralympic Committee uh, you know, told, told me to do. And I've, I've turned that into an official nonprofit program within I Got Legs called the Exoskeleton Racing League. Um, so right now with I Got Legs, you know, we're helping paralyzed athletes get access to them. Uh, but it's all done through this program called the Exoskeleton Racing League. Um, and yeah, and we've had uh, uh, two, uh, three, uh, two, two official races. And um, yeah, we're you know, teaming up with, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, universities, uh, Clemson uh, University. Uh, wow. I actually, yeah, I'm uh, down in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Clemson University is like a stone's throw for me. So um, yeah, but uh, you know, our, our, our goal is to team up with more universities, you know, that have uh, collegiate adaptive sports okay. programs and really build this uh, sport of exoskeleton race, you know, for, from the ground up. So, so we're still in the very beginning stages, but uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, very, very exciting though. Yeah, congratulations. We just think your story is really cool. And the fact that you're trying to help other athletes who have similar stories um, like yours, uh, because it can be really tough to feel like you can't do certain things or be as active as you'd like to be. And this really gives people that opportunity to, to continue on and, and do those things. So we think it's really awesome that machinery, the, I guess, what do you call it? Machinery device? Like the exoskeleton is really cool to see. You have to check out yeah. his page to yeah. see it yourself, but. Yeah. It's uh so it's, so, uh, so it, it's, it's technically classified as a powered exoskeleton. Um, and the way that, yeah, a, a powered exoskeleton. And, and the way that I describe it, it's, it's like the lower half of a Terminator suit. Okay, yeah, for sure. That's what it looks. It looks cool. First of all, it does look yeah. awesome. And then, yeah. so is it is it battery powered or? Because I know that, we, and we can get to this. How over the weekend the motors gave out. Or so, so does that yeah, mean? Yeah. yeah so, um, uh, so how I guess uh, how it operates. Um, uh, I'll, I'll try to make this as clear in you know, as uh, layman's terms as possible. Um, uh, so, okay, so I describe it like the lower half of a Terminator suit. Um, it, it operates uh, on a. Uh, a between uh, motors, batteries, and computer software. Okay, um, yeah. So, so I, I transfer into the exoskeleton uh, 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 from my wheelchair. Um, I, I strap into the exoskeleton, and I wear this watch on my right-hand wrist that's almost like the brain-slash-remote control of the exoskeleton. Got it. Um, it's got three settings, sit, stand, and walk. So obviously when I'm sitting, it's in sit mode. I put it, uh, yeah, put it into stand mode, it stands me up. When I put it into walk mode, um, uh, I have these two arm crutches. Um, so when I put it in, in a walk mode, I tap forward with each arm crutch and kind of do these side to side weight shifts. Um, and there's a sensor in each hip of the powered exoskeleton that senses those weight shifts in my abs and hips, which then kicks in a motor of the exoskeleton. So the exoskeleton, like, I guess physically moves my leg for me, but my abs and hips initiate that movement. Initiate so it's like that process. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like man meets machine. Cool. Um, I yeah. mean, it's super cool. We're we're sorry to hear that the motors went out. I was keeping up with you on Instagram, and it takes a while. Um, I think you were on the path to smash that thirty three hours, and you'll you'll get it done in another city, I'm sure. Um, yeah. But has that ever happened to you before? Oh yeah. So so you know with with the exoskeleton. Okay. So okay. So uh, so you're right. Uh, 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 okay. So I try to break my Guinness World Record uh, this past weekend at the Cleveland Marathon. Uh, for everybody that is, uh, uh, you know, that is listening right now. Um, yeah, if you saw me uh, in Cleveland, I was that crazy guy in the exoskeleton weaving in and out of, of all the, the uh, you know, all, all, all the streets. Uh, everyone's honking at me. It was, it was everyone was super nice and, and very supportive. But uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, uh, so at mile, okay, I was on track to beat, uh, to, to walk a 23 to 24 hour marathon. Um, and then right at mile, like 15 and a half. So like, yeah, like mile 15 and a half, um, the motor of my exoskeleton blew out. Now I, I should preface this, like th th this is not, uh, I don't want to say, uh, now I, I, you know, the, the, you know, the uh, first half of the, the marathon was a lot of, a lot of hills, Yeah. you know, you know that, um, like, uh, mile seven in particular, um, on Scranton Avenue, there's a, just a, like a, like a half mile, just straight hill. Yep. Um, and then the uh, Lorraine Carnegie Bridge, you know, ha has a pretty decent hill. Um, and then the Veterans uh, Veterans Memorial Bridge, you know, that's that's a pretty pretty solid hill too. Um, so you know, it, it was putting a lot of stress on the exoskeleton. 
Um, and then also I should say that um, uh, prior to the marathon, um, uh, I, I actually made my exoskeleton faster um, and, and not, you know, not, not to get too in depth with it, but I, I essentially made my exoskeleton faster by um, uh, lowering my knee flexion of my exoskeleton. Um, so I, I, so I think because of that, I was already putting a lot more stress on, on the motors of my exoskeleton. Um, and I'm like a pretty big guy. I'm like six foot 185. So, you know, me, you know, so a combination of, of me, you know, being six foot 185, the faster walking speed, and then just going up like, you know, a quarter, you know, half mile hill or, you know, hills, uh, put a lot of stress on the motor. So at mile 15 and a half, uh, my motor uh, gave out. Um, but I don't, I don't want it's, it's, I don't want to bash this uh, technology because the fact that it, that it made it 16, almost 16 miles yeah. on those hills is, is actually a pretty amazing uh, uh, thing for the, for the, for, 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 for this kind of device to actually handle. So, um, yeah. And I'm sure the device is going to be evolving too, just as, as you are and, and the different tweaks that can be made um, as, as you pun intended, move forward with your, your journey. Um, I'm sure the technology will also evolve. Oh yeah. Oh so. yeah, totally. I mean, it's, um, and you know, me, you know, with, um, me, you know, me walking all, all these races, you know, I, I'm, obviously, I'm, you know, taking exoskeleton walking to the, to the, you know, extreme. Right. So not, you know, not many people, you know, the, the manufacturers were like, dude, we, we did not anticipate people wanting to walk 26.2 miles in, in this device. Oh, so like, sure. You, I'm sure it yeah. was a little bit more practical than that. And, and, <laughs> and you were yeah. like, Hey, you know what? Let's do the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, we're, yeah. we're happy you have though. And we want to be able to give your organization as much exposure as possible. So tell us too, where people can find you to, to support your cause and just support your journey. Cause we want to see that next world record go down. Oh yeah, uh, t uh, absolutely. It's uh, uh, okay. So if you want to know more, more information, about I got legs. Uh, exoskeleton racing and to support uh, our, our, uh, our you know, support donate it's www.igotlegs.org uh, and then on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook uh, uh, at I Got Legs. So, yeah, cool. I mean, just you know, you know anything that uh, you know, any kind of support is uh, greatly um, uh, uh, necessary and appreciated. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on. And uh, yeah, you know, this weekend didn't go as perfectly planned as possible, but I know you're going to bounce back. I know how resilient you are and what an inspiration you're being to so many people. I know it's a cliche. You probably hear that a lot, but I think it's something you should continue to hear because um, you've got to know there's just so many people out there that are like, wow, this guy's really doing it and I can do it too. So really well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, guys. Yeah, we. I mean, two really cool interviews today. Um, I I gravitated toward towards Adam's story because we connected over the Cleveland Marathon just on Instagram, and I thought his story was really cool. And it's hard not to follow along. So really, really glad he could join us too, since it was relevant and I was part of some of that hype over the weekend. It was really cool to be a part of. For sure. How was that for you? I know you were down there uh, live action for 19. How was that? Yeah, I was doing some live shots uh, the morning of the marathon. Well, actually, the day after I had run the 10K, and it, yeah. wa it wasn't pretty. I'll tell you that. It wasn't pretty. Um, I don't know why I think I can just hop in races when I haven't been running and think that I'm not going to hurt. Um, so, yeah, it was painful. But, yeah, did the live shots. It was a little toastier for the marathon, I think. It was. Because it got up, and the sun was out, yeah. and that last final stretch of the marathon is the shoreway, no shade, um, and it and it heated up, too. So not just the sun, but the fact that it got up to, like, 70. So uh, I was kind of glad I wasn't running. It, I, it, I actually ended up being fortunate I ran in the rain the day before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. It was a, it was a good weekend. Um, is there anything that you, Gab, think that you could – break a guinness world record for like anything that comes to mind i think for you like i don't know like i'm thinking like singing hmm. hosting yeah would i have to sing for a full mile i feel like that's him oh like should singing? i just look up like singing world? maybe the singing while running is if there's a world record for that singing while running because that's hard Oh, it is. I try. I've tried it before, and it's like it's basically impossible. I mean, it depends. It depends what pace you're going, I guess. Because I am a chatty runner. Like, if I were to go for a run with someone, I feel like I can chat the whole time. Okay, how about this? So they don't have while running, but they have the longest singing marathon. So like the longest amount of time singing consecutively. Oh yeah, no, that won't be for me. That's insane. Someone in India, in 
a uh, hundred and five hours. No, I blow my voice out. I'm still getting my voice back Everyone from would. November. I I can't do longevity like that. Who is this psychopath? Stamina like that. Sunil Wagmar. <laughs> What's this dude story? Maybe something like a uh, instead of like a beer mile, like a a song mile. Yeah, I don't know. A song mile or where you eat something. Oh, so this guy's like a musical art. Like you, Gab. Like he's got a little Spotify action. Okay. Hmm. All right, so we Learned know we know it's out there. We'll, we'll come up with something. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. record to break. Longest world record. Yeah, we'll have to think of something for big play. Like How about most songs written? Most songs ever written? Uh, that's yeah, that's got to be a lot. Because also, too, what you know the work around here? You just tell ChatGBT, write me 15,000 songs, mm-hmm. and then just leave your computer on. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, it could be like man-made songs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, man-made. What? I've got almost 600 uh, unfinished song concepts. That's crazy. See? Yeah. Okay, but unfinished. So you're going yeah, to have to finish, finish all of them. I'm not trying to set that record, though. Yeah, I get it. What about like the longest live video podcast ever? Like, How long could mm-hmm. we really go in here? Mind you... Again, people at home don't know. It gets hot in I'm here. I'm sweating. Yeah. So how long could we really sit in here, like live? And, and honestly, it might not be our best content, but you can't take away the fact that it's a microphone, it's a camera, there's lights, we're in a studio. Mm-hmm. How long could we sit in here and shoot the breeze for? What if it was a running podcast? So we are running. Wow, podcasting? I couldn't do that. I'm, I don't know. Um, <laughs> let me look that one up. World's longest podcast. podcast. Run, you know? It doesn't. Maybe that. Maybe here's our market, world record longest podcast. Let's see what comes. We'd have up. to be on the air for just like over 24 hours, I would imagine, and just have people watch us try not to sleep. <laughs> the longest podcast in the world with Mike Russell did a 36-hour nonstop podcast. See ya. Woo! But why? Nonstop podcast. He. he He's the co-founder of UK Podcasters Community and New Media Europe Conference. He said, I was thrilled to host a 36-hour nonstop podcast in 2016. I didn't sleep for the full 36-hour marathon, bless you, Gab, and broke the world record for the longest ever continuous podcast. So this is the guy guy that we're after, I think. Wow. When did he do it, I wonder? Oh, 2016. So it's been a minute. I feel like I could, I feel like 36 hours, like, okay, you pull an all-nighter, but then it's so 24, so it's really like a day and a half. That That is a long time. As long as you had food. I would have food. I could talk about the for food. I could review the food. Obviously, like, you could have yeah, guests. Yeah, that's such a long time. You have guests that could eat up time. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to stack the guests. Maybe we'll do, like, what, what if I try to break this? What if I do, like, an NFL season preview for 36 hours? Our equipment would never hold up. No, no. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't hold up, our equipment would Um. Fail. So 36 hours. So 17 of those hours could be accounted for because I could get – somebody from all 17 teams um, to talk for an hour. So that would be 17 hours halfway there. Yeah. Not even. <laughs> well, all right, we'll keep working on I'm that. I'm thinking you're onto something. I feel like this is kind of like our cafe idea. Yeah. What do you think will get accomplished first, our cafe idea or you My, podcasting for 37 hours? Cafe for sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. Oh, man. All right. Well, good show. Way to put it together, everybody, without McNeil and Dave. Ho- yeah. Hopefully they're uh, crushing it on the golf course. Doubtful. <laughs> well, we know we couldn't do anything, so might as well wish them luck. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to download that Tipico app. Use code BIGPLAY. Put in 50 bucks. You'll get $200 bets on us. Go bet on the playoffs. Basketball playoffs almost over, so go get in now. And then go bet on the Guardians every day. Same game parlays are live on Tipico, so you could just smash a ton of things into one parlay. Cheer on the Guardians all summer long with us. Till next time, we'll see you. Peace. It's time. Streaming live from Cleveland, Ohio. Presenting the undefeated, undisputed heavyweight podcast of the world. The Big Play. Reflux.